Welcome to the Paragirl Podcast. This is Jerry Pitney, and today I'm joined by our mayor, Josh Agee. Josh, thanks so much for coming on, and Happy New Year to you. Hey, thank you. Uh, good to be here. And, you know, you said Jared and Josh, but actually it's Matilda's dad and Lavender's that dad is and true. Mrs. Honey's husband. That is very true. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, Matilda at the Collin Theater was phenomenal. I think they had Wonderful. like set some records with as many people that were showing up for that. Um, but yeah, your daughter was in it, my daughter was in it, and my wife. And your wife absolutely stole the show. We know where all the oh. talent in the family is. Wow. <laughs> well, that, that, we didn't have to have that uh, play for me to realize <laughs> that. Your daughter was phenomenal. All the lines she had to memorize and the singing. 90-something pages. And I was proud of her. Pretty incredible. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was. So uh, we're going to talk about, um, I, I want to get an update from you. you. This is your third time on, by the okay. way. So welcome back. Can um, I can I say something real quick? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. You guys want. are killing it. Um, well, thank you. I've had some really great guests the last little bit. I've been catching up. Uh, Miranda came in. Yeah, that's right. Great job last week. Uh, Nathan, some of my favorite people. Nathan Knight. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. If we could just bottle his energy. He is firing, man. Oh, man. energy, man. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, one of my best friends, Matthew Miller. Yeah, Matt mm -hmm. came on, and by the time this is released, Alexander Lafoon's will have been released. Yeah. So I don't know if you came up with his story. Yeah, the, the Pacific on, Crest yes. Trail. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm jealous. Some really amazing people. I, you know, we talked to. Um, I just had a um, someone reach out to me, and I've got to make sure that I get this. I, I mean, I have people reach out to me often that from all over that talk about this podcast and I always tell them that it's just there's amazing people that live here but anyways we have um, someone in America's Georgia that just started their own city podcast and oh, they cool. literally are just taking from this podcast kind of the ideas here and they're trying to do it in their own city and then there's other places that have been kind of popping up trying to do it and so well, you guys are doing a great job yeah well oh, the, the people certainly make it yeah. for sure you know I was um, thinking about you and I met at the legacy room. That's where, you know, we were having those legacy meetings yep. and that's where I met Matthew for the first time. And I was thinking, you know, um, how we have all taken on different roles from those meetings. Yeah. It's funny how that's yep. changed. I decided the other day that there are two kind of people in the world. Those that, um, um, love Matthew Miller and those that haven't met him yet. <laughs> oh, that's a good compliment. He's that's such awesome. a good dude. He's one of my, he is I, like, I like Matthew, man. Yeah. I, enjoyed, I didn't realize until I think it was after he came on the podcast um, that we, he is one of the few guys in the city, maybe one of the only guys I know that listens to the same bands I listen to. So if you were to get on my Spotify playlist right now, You'd be like, I've never heard any of those bands at Rainbow all. Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's took me to their Bingo. concert last week. Yeah, so there you go, we'll, man. We'll talk about that, yeah. So anyways, yeah, well, it's, it is good to have you back on. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things that's been accomplished this year, right. what's coming up next year. But first, help me understand partisan elections. I know this is a controversial issue. Obviously, we voted on it uh, sure. back in November. Why was this even brought up? So let me give you a little history on it. Okay. So for so if you and I went out here and decided that we were going to establish, um, you know, Johnsonville, Arkansas, a new city, and we set up city government, it would automatically be nonpartisan. It is the default setting through the state of Arkansas, and I, I'm not sure across the nation. <clears throat> I don't know the exact specifics nationwide, but over. 90% of the cities in the United States are nonpartisan. Nonpartisan meaning what? For those Means who break it down. We're not Republicans or Democrats. Okay. Um, everyone runs. It's just like a judge. If you run, like uh, Sonia Fonacielo ran for prosecuting it. Mm -hmm. So if she ran nonpartisan because her job doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, 
because her job doesn't require her being a Republican or a Democrat. She doesn't deal with those issues. Same with the city. You know, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, we deal with uh, dogs and trash and police and fire and parks. And mm-hmm. it's, and there's no, there's not a Republican pothole. Mm-hmm. If um, you call me and you have an issue, I don't care what your stance is on social issues. I'm there to help you. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, however, back in the nineties, um, everyone around here was running at that time as a Democrat and the admin of the city, they all got together. The I don't know if it was the council or if it was the mayor, if it was a, a combination of both. They changed it where you ran as a Democrat. And the reason they did that was so that your election would be over in May. So, Jared, if you ran for city council, you would know in May when the primary happens if you won, and that would give you a chance to, I guess, come up there and start going to meetings or it got it out of the way. From what I can tell, they said, look, they got that out of the way then. There was you know, no reason in running in the general election. Everyone ran as a Democrat. It was over. Well, all of a sudden, all these changes started happening. People were going from the same people that are Republicans now were Democrats five years ago, almost across our city. Mm. So back in about 2015, the Municipal League, which is kind of our governing body in, in Little Rock, had really been pushing on Mayor Gaskell for years. Like, hey, this is bad for cities, 493 cities out of the state of Arkansas. So there's 500 cities. 493 are nonpartisan. Mm. Paragould is one of the only first-class cities in the state that has partisan elections. Y'all need to get rid of those. Mm. So we, you know, said, okay, that's fine. No, we'll do that. So we did. Well, then... Recently, there's been a group um, that felt that that was important. So, uh, and what is the argument behind why it's important? Um, you know, they say that the argument behind it is this: um, you're right. The mayor doesn't control um, abortion, right? Sure. But his stance on that um, tells me what kind of person he ah, is. Okay. Which. I don't necessarily agree with because um, no matter how I feel about those hot button issues, no matter what they are, mm-hmm. um, that has no effect on my ability to do my job. Mm. My job is not leading social policy. You know, the things we're going to talk about today, I challenge you to find one thing that's Republican or Democrat about it. Mm. Um, you know, and I'm, and the, the problem with that is this. I have always been, my my granddad helped raise me and really uh, piqued my interest in politics. And he always taught me, and to this very day, I'm still the same way. Um, I never vote for party politics. I voted, um, if you looked at my ballot this last time, it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I actually, funny, people, people want to pigeonhole you. I actually gave money to a candidate on a state level this year and then... Went to his fundraiser, gave him money. He got up and spoke, and then I thought, well, that's a wasted money because I'm not voting for him. Mm. But, you know, so if you look, it's like, well, he gave him money, yeah, and he also voted against him. Like, that's, you know, that is exactly what I'm talking about as far as voting for the person. You know, that person did not have the ideals that I share. Mm. and But I don't get off into that because it has nothing to do with, it's just a distraction for, mm. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that um, that passed, 
And um, I don't think much changed as far as, if you want to know the truth, um, I came on the council in 2012, and up until 2015, we were all quote-unquote Democrats. We never had a partisan issue come up, and now I'm sure that everyone will run as a Republican, which is fine, and I'm sure we'll still deal with the mm-hmm. same condemnations and rezones and all that sort. It'll be the same city business. It'll just be done under a under a uh, political name now, but I don't think much changed. But I, I think, I'm glad you asked me about that because the problem was this. You go out there to vote, and their uh, stance was, hey, we want to know if our mayor is a Republican or Democrat. And it's that's an easy selling point. Okay, that's I'm good with that. But if you sit down and say, okay, do you like divisive politics like you see in Washington? No. Why don't you like that? Well, because they can't get anything done. Well, do you want that um, coming to Paragol? Do you want that, you know, where you're always trying to battle over who's right and who's wrong? <clears throat> Most people say no. Mm. But to to talk about the nonpartisan side was a um, – you had to, it was much more informative. You had to sit down and actually visit with people where the other side just said, hey, we just want to know, and we want to be able to run as mm-hmm. Republicans or Democrats. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I'm sure social media doesn't help this, you know. I mean, because you have just these extremes on both sides now, like some people that act like absolute lunatics on the Republican side, some that act like it on the Democratic side. And I, and I heard Tim Keller, um, who's just a, a – a, a guy that I've followed, and I think he's got great commentary on this kind of stuff. So he said that we've gotten to a place in our culture now where you think whoever's on the opposing side as you or a different side of you, like they're they're either an idiot or they're evil. And you also like we believe this idea of like if I disagree with him in one area, then clearly I would disagree with all in all areas. Sure. And I think like that's. Um, I just don't think that's super helpful, you know, to think that way. And so it's like even in your I – mean, my guess is if we were to sit down, you and I, my guess, we probably would not line up on every single area and, and every and single God. belief. Right. But it's like at the end of the day, if I'm hiring a cook at McDonald's or whatever, it's like I need to know, like, can you perform this task? You know what I'm saying? It's like whatever your task is, and you be able to perform it. And I think like with the mayor – I think that's where I would line up as well as like, Ken, here's the, here's the roles, here's the task, here's the things that you're expected to do. Can you do those things and do those things well? Despite and, and, my belief. Yeah, on yeah, that's exactly issues. right. Yeah. You know, and one of the things is that, that I hate the most, I think, is I read a, a study the other day that said <clears throat> 7%, no, yeah, 7% of the people do 90% of the tweets. So it was seven side uh, from each side. Seven percent of the crazies on one side and seven percent of the crazies on the other side are doing are are the ones creating ninety percent of the tweets. And this guy said, why are we letting essentially fifteen percent of the population make it suck for eighty five percent of us? Like we we have given the reins to them and what has happened is we have lost um this Ability to set down my best friend and I do not share any political beliefs at all. Just about we sit down and we have dinner with them almost once a week. Mm-hmm. And some of the best conversations we have are trying to find common ground mm-hmm. and just it's not really arguing, it's just seeing their side, they're seeing ours. And and we have a great relationship despite politics like that. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't, but that's not, um, 
I don't think that's very common. Most yeah. of the time it's people want to line up and they want to get in these echo chambers and they want to hear only what they they want to hear what they're saying and then they want you to repeat it pretty much back and forth. Well, yeah. that's not learning and that's not growing and that's not seeing the other side of a situation. And when, when two people who don't share so I went and spoke to CRC the other day and I said true leaders are people who will take a room full of people who have different beliefs. They'll mix those people. They'll find the best ideas, and they'll put them to use, and they'll find common ground. Great mm-hmm. leaders find common ground. And that's what I worried about this Republican-Democrat thing is because both parties do not want to find common ground. Mm-hmm. It is very much a divide-and-conquer mm-hmm. uh, mindset in Washington, and even some of our State politicians are that way. And I just didn't want to see it come to our city. The citizens voted. It passed. Um, and we'll keep on. I mean, it's, you know, sure. business as usual. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've got a, I mean, I can understand where people come from on both sides of it. And so, I, but I, I was, it's good for me to be able to hear that from you, to be able to understand kind of your perspective, because I know there's quite a bit of talk around it. And so I love to be able to hear kind of your thoughts on it. I know there's a, a lot more too we could even talk about and, and process, but I want to move on. I want to, I want to talk about what all has been accomplished uh, this year, because it seems like a lot has been accomplished in 2022. So uh, fill me in kind of, I know obviously there's some things you talked about when you came on at the beginning of 2022, what all exactly has been done? Um, what are you most proud of as you look back the past year? Well, I went back and listened to last year's podcast and I, we, we were talking and we were about to break ground on the um, community pavilion back here. And now we're about to have yeah. rivet cutting. So that's, it really looks phenomenal <laughs> by the way, Damn. the you landscape walk over there everything. and look around. Oh yeah, man. It's right here in our backyard. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's what what a, a centerpiece. And right there shows um, just great partnerships. Um, Senator Crawford was in my office the other day, and he was talking about it. And he said, how did you guys build that? And I said, well, we got some ARPA funds, you know, and, and um, we partnered with the county on it and mm. partnered with the EDC on it. And he turned around to Charles, the guy that's his representative in Jonesboro, and he said, can you believe that they partnered with the county? And, and then he kind of went back, and we, we got to talking, and, and like literally 10 minutes later, I'm in the middle of talking to him. He turns around to Charles, and he said, I want you to write down that Paragould and Greene County built that together because I've never seen collaboration between mm. a city and a county. And he said, I, and I was like, we weren't, we weren't even talking about that anymore. We wow. moved on, but he just blew his mind. And it blows my mind that it's just leadership not don't. typically aligned like that. In other I don't places? think so. Oh, no, no. Um, and it blows my mind that they don't. I, you know, one thing about it is there are no egos between um, me and Allison and Rusty and the quorum court and the city council. We all get along. We all are trying to pull in the same direction. Miranda. It's a huge blessing, man. Oh. And who benefits? <laughs> sure everyone's job our, way better. You know, yeah. our, our city and citizens are the ones that benefit. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's been a lot change. We uh, cut the ribbon on the trail. I know yeah. you and your wife have been going out there and there for that running up and down. Yeah, um, it's about really close to four miles from one end to the other. 
So you can go out and get eight miles in on a Saturday morning. They've got uh, Chris Collier, yeah. one of your uh, – Was just in here. What's his, uh, what's his official title? Well, he does – he's like a utility. He's like the Jose Akindo of the staff. He does a lot <laughs> okay, of different stuff. Okay. Third base coach? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Whatever. Pitches, yeah. catches, <laughs> right field, left field. Um, he's got the Saturday morning eight-mile creek uh, running yeah. uh, club. So uh, That's really cool, man. That's been a long time coming. Absolutely, yeah. It's a – it's a huge benefit for our community, uh, something that was worked on for years and then, you know, just kind of fell by the wayside and then was picked back up by the Green County Future Fund and pushed and applied for grants. And, um, you know, that thing was right at half paid for by federal grants. So wow. there's another, you know, that's just an example of a million dollars coming into our community that um, helps us with quality of life, industrial retention, something for the kids to do. Yeah. Uh, just it's cool to be able to drive on the highway and, and uh, sometimes like if I'm, you know, like I'm heading from my house over to the Supercenter or whatever, it's like I will look down and just see and, and it almost without fail, there's I'll see somebody on that trail. Oh, all the time. I ran it, uh, Matt McGowan and I run it almost daily. And um, Saturday he and I ran it and it was raining and cold and we passed six people. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, you know, it's raining. People yeah. are out here running in the rain, yeah. and it's 40 degrees, and people are still And y'all aren't quite done with it, right? Like on the east side? Uh, We've got some connections to make. Um, it, well, technically, we're done with the construction phases, mm-hmm. but um, this next year's budget, which we just wrapped up Monday, we passed it, um, which is why I was glad that you guys had me now is because mm-hmm. I can actually talk about some projects for yeah. next year. Uh, when it, Where it comes out on North End by Nuns, there's a, it kind of goes out in the road. We've got road stamps and, like, uh, share the share the road type markings, um, but we're going to work on next year, really tying it. Um, there's a couple of places on the east side that need to be tied back together, so we're going to work on that and yeah. make sure that uh, you can utilize that trail and be out of harm's way. And we talked about. I remember um, yeah, earlier this year, whenever we were you were here the first time, the um, the sky cops. Is that connected with the trail, or is that completely different than the trail? So it's both. Okay. So we were looking at Sky Cops, and Shane Stovall, our IT uh, director, started looking and figured out that we're not using Sky Cops. Sky Cops are about $8,000 each. He can build what he calls Pergle Mobile Sky Patrol. Um, he can build those for, depending on, so some of the ones on the trail were like $2,000. Some of the ones we've put on intersections are more like 4000 Are they on the intersections now? They are. They are. Oh, every boy. every intersection with a can red Can you tell light, me which ones? That way I, Every one of them. Okay. Yeah. Not, not, that, that, I, they, not that it matters to me, no, but, but for, for the listener, what are yeah, they patrolling yeah, yeah. exactly? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how does that work? Let, like if I, let's just say I'm, I speed through an intersection. Okay, let me throw this out there. Okay. It is against, so I'm pulling, I'm going to channel my inner Mike Gaskell. Used to, they had Monday morning mayor with, oh. Monday morning with the mayor on, on the radio. And Big O. Big O would call Mike in his office and he would be like, all right, everybody, listen. I've told the cops to start writing some tickets this week. So if you're listening to this, slow down. <laughs> like giving everybody a heads up. So I'm going to channel my inner Mike Gaskell and say, it is against state law to issue a ticket from a red light camera. So you will really? not be getting tickets in the mail in Arkansas. Well, that's you not go, true okay, in Tennessee. You go to Memphis because I've got one in Tennessee. Yeah, you go to Memphis, you'll get one mailed to you. Now we put those cameras up. So let's say that Megan pulls up to the red light, and um, the guy in front of her puts his car in reverse and slams into her. Okay, and the, the cops show fraud. up. The, yeah, the insurance. Uh, yeah, so the police show up, and he says, 
she hit me. Well, it obviously looks like the front of her car is messed up and the back of his car. Yeah. So our police officers can literally get on their laptop, access that camera, take a snippet of the accident as it happened, and email it to you so you can give it to your insurance. Ah, that's um, helpful. Multiple times we have had um, dispatchers see accidents happen and dispatch EMS before the 911, first 911 call came in. Wow. So we have built uh, or actually ordered and delivered a new console for the 911 center, and we're in the process of hiring a full-time 911 dispatcher who watches those cameras. We have, I think, 17 on um, the intersections. We have 16, uh, or we'll have 16 on the trail. That's one every quarter of a mile. Those on the trail, if you walk up to them and you're in distress, they can talk to you. You can talk to 911. If they see someone out there messing something up, they can turn sirens on. They can speak to people. Hey, you're on camera. Quit painting on the trail. Police are on their way. We saw you fall down on your bicycle. Hmm. Um, so I'm not really encouraging people to walk up to those cameras and start trying to get a hold of our 911 people's um, attention because they're busy. You know, they took almost 100,000 phone calls last year out Ooh. there. Um, but it's just one more safety aspect. We want people to get out on that trail. We want them to have a good time. We want them to feel like they're safe. I want totally. I want Megan and Ambria McGarity and mm-hmm. Allison and and um, Kristen to be able to go out there at any time of the day and get on that trail and uh, feel safe while they're out there. Yeah, well, that's a great mm-hmm. way to do it. What else has been going on um, this year? Catch us up because I know there's even more that we've been able to accomplish. One of the things that we talked about last year was really um, a new emphasis on drainage. Um, we have had three major projects. We replaced a box culvert tile over by Monroe on Darling Street. Uh, we replaced two big tiles at Reed Register Estates and um, uh, a big tile there at Pruitt's Chapel. We were having major issues there by the golf course. Every time it flooded, um, I don't think she would mind if I say this. Jeannie Wallace, her her poor house. She, I went out there one day, the day that you know the the creek came over a little bit on the east side. It wasn't bad, but it came over a little bit. I was out on Pruitt's Chapel, and she was walking across her yard to come visit with me. And I said, Jeannie, there's a ditch right there. Be careful. And it went from like waist deep to chest deep, and then back up. I mean, it was just unbelievable what she was having to deal with. Mm. And uh, we went in there, dug that road up. I know it was kind of a pain for people driving down through there because once, and, and this is something that needs to be said, once you dig up a tile like that, it is against the law to put the dirt back in. You put that tile in, and it has to be backfilled with chat. Well, mm. when, you, when you've got dirt, it all lays in there nice and smooth, right? But when you've got chat, you've got rocks that have air pockets all through that. And when people start driving over, that those rocks compress and they crush. That airspace starts to leave. But when it does, what do you have? You've got this dip. So we're out there every other day putting more chat down mm-hmm. on Pruitt's Chapel Road, letting the cars compact it. If you go in there and you just overlay it, well, that settling is going to happen. And then you've got asphalt that falls. And then it cracks and it chunks up real big. So instead of throwing a few rocks when you hit it, it you know, it's throwing boulders pretty much Mm. it's kind of a frustrating situation um but usually we have to wait uh you know six eight months before we go back in there and overlay because if you don't go in there you don't give it that time to settle then you're going to just end up multiplying your 
your problems down the road. It's just one of the many things, like, when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, there's just always so much more that goes on. I'm willing to mm-hmm. drive by and be like, come on, what's taking so long on this project? Or Yeah, I was driving as... over that, actually, every yeah. day, taking the kids to school. Yeah, yeah, you just don't realize, like, how yeah. much stuff goes on. Oh, into man, it. I went out there one day, and I was standing on the side of the road checking it out, and people were hitting that, doing 50 miles an hour. Oh, and I thought, yeah. you know what? No, no. We should just not pay this for a while, and people will slow down. <laughs> yeah. It slowed you down, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have... Uh, did y'all, you remodeled the Senior B? That's, that was this year, wasn't it? Got the Senior B Center remodeled. Yeah, I don't know if... Uh, have you been out there? Yeah, I went out there for the uh, Orion State of the group, City. Yeah. Oh, for the Orion Group, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, we went in there and polished up that hardwood floor and uh, buffed the uh, terrazzo. That's great. Uh, yeah. Um, really exciting stuff going on there. Um, we just passed the budget, and we added... Um, Twelve thousand. The council added twelve thousand dollars to their. We we have a what's called grants in kind. Uh, that's where we give um, we give a little money to the Green County Rescue Squad every year. Mm-hmm. Give a little money to the bees. Give money to the museum. Uh, some of the some of the nonprofits that need a little help. Um, we actually upped their. Carol was um, talking the other day, and she said if she had twelve thousand dollars, she could add another Meals on Wheels route. So the council was. Uh, they talked about that on a Friday morning at a finance meeting, and we've added twelve thousand dollars. So, yeah, you know, I can't think of a better use of taxpayer dollars than delivering meals mm-hmm. to um, um, our older seniors mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. can't get out; they're sure. homebound. Um, a lot of those people, the only people they see during the day, is that man or woman that's bringing them that meal. Mm-hmm. So, and there was uh, quite a few people on that list. And uh, we want to make sure that we take care of our shut-ins. I think that's great, man. I, I don't know if I read this somewhere or heard it or what, but it's it, the idea of like kind of um, if you want to see how healthy a city is, like look how they're treating their most vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's a great example of like, yeah, the a population that many of us are willing to forget and just be like, oh, okay, like I love that our yeah tax money goes sure. to help. Sorry for that. You know, coming back to downtown, I've always said that, that, you know, Downtown and our shut-ins kind of go hand in hand. They're our inheritance. They're what downtown is what was left to us by our city's founders. Mm-hmm. And whether you believe this or not, if we're recruiting a new industry, one of the first places they visit downtown. Yeah, that's what Miranda said. I, that was new to me. Yeah. So yeah, she didn't mention that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's it's um they want to know what kind of people are here. They'll also drive to Walmart, and you know what they'll look for. Shopping carts that aren't put back in the gate. Mm. That talks about what kind of people. It's a pet peeve. Yeah. It, it, it it's frustrating. Uh, but it, it's one of the things they, they look and they say, do people take pride um, in in place? Um, and when you talk about taking pride and spending tax dollars, give me a better example of of taking pride and showing love than feeding feeding uh, shut-ins in our in our elderly population Absolutely, so man. it was a no-brainer for the council they were all all over that so yeah. really that's one of the things that there's a lot of things kind of behind the scenes and we can talk about that going forward a little bit um but there's a lot of things behind the scenes that go on every day that um you shouldn't have to think about that make your life better the local it's kind of comes back to partisan politics a little bit my job is to work every day as hard as I can to make your life better and for you to never know that I did it mm. or the council to mm-hmm. work as hard as they can and or PLWC or our street crews 
or our parks department to be out there mowing in 100-degree heat. Mm-hmm. Or you drive by the cemetery, you don't think, I hope you don't think, that place needs mowed. You just drive by there, and it's mowed, and you don't ever think about it at all. The only time you think about that is when the grass is high. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and right. it's our job to make sure that you don't think about that. I kind of think about your role as, um, like, you know, just as a pastor, I'm thinking in our world, but like a sound guy on a Sunday, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, there's all these different buttons that have to be pushed and moved, and, and then there's electricity and the wires and all of that. And it's like nobody ever thinks about that person when it's going smooth. Yeah, sure. You know, now when there's a problem, they're like, who's what up there? The yeah, what's going on? You know, and so it's like that. Is that, I guess, comparable to what it's like to be a mayor? And sometimes, sure. like, there's all these different buffers, all these different things going on. But it's like, yeah, your job is, if we're not thinking about all that, it's probably because it's running smooth. And sure. there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that's right. making it run smooth. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and we can sit here all day long and you can say, well, you're doing great. You're doing this. You're doing that. It's not me at all. Um, we have um, really, really great uh, department heads, and they manage their departments. We have some people, everyone that works for the city, we have 225 employees plus the utility. And then you, you have all these other arms like um, the Chamber of Commerce and Main Street. And But everyone is dedicated to serving the citizens of Perigold, and um, we're the beneficiaries. But yeah. you're right, just like a preacher. You're up front. You're the, you're the one that, that takes the falls for the bad things, get the... You get the accolades for what goes right, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, there's a whole team around you. Totally, hundred percent. It's just, um, but you're in that role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mentioned uh, the Orion Group a while ago. We we're talking about the Senior B. Um, can you fill us in a little bit on kind of what that is and and what you guys are doing with them? Sure. So, um, you know, last year we started with the Orion Group. I think I was we met we mentioned this a little bit last year. Um. We had just started the plan, and it is a 20-year plan that has, like, economic development plan, a downtown quality of life plan, a new land use map, which is extremely important. What Um, is that exactly? uh, So a land use map is – it's a map of the city, and it says – so ours was a 2003 model. This is good for 15 to 20 years, and here's what we think these properties will be. So in 2003 – like Walmart Supercenter was fairly new, and mm-hmm. there was nothing west of that. They said, well, in the next 15 to 20 years, everything west will be commercial. So yeah. it's not – my grandparents live beside – across the road from Redder Supply. Their house is a residential zoning, but it, if they sold it, they could switch it to commercial because the land use map says that should be a commercial piece of property. So it's just like a future cast of your city's going to grow. It's just part of a 20-year plan. But that plan is extremely important because our Planning and Zoning Commission, which if anyone needed a pat on the back, it is those men and women who are on that commission. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at that map, and since it's it's getting out of date and antiquated, it's time for an update. So that is a vital – it's one of those behind-the-scenes, you know, you got to take care of that because sure. if not, if you don't – if you don't have a plan, you know, I, I think I've said this before on here. My motto when I when I was on a route was plan your work and work your plan. Well, we don't have a plan right now, uh, but we're about to. We've uh, Along with that, we've had a master street plan, and um, they have made the recommendation of a new zoning and subdivision requirements with, like, residential design standards. 
So the first part of the plan is finished up. It's about to go to public input. The way that worked is we had three public input meetings where the public went out to the community center, senior base center, yep. and gave their input on what they wanted for the next 20 years. And then they compile all that data. And as much as we like to say we're the one and only, and we are, but at the same time, there are also cities all across the nation of 30,000 people that are dealing with the same issues we are. Mm-hmm. So they take those cities, see what they're doing right, see where their shortcomings are, but and they kind of build a plan for Paragold. So that plan should be released along with that new land use map. First of the year, it will go to public input again for 30 days. And then the council... To people to do what? Come up there and comment on it. Okay. Yeah, just comment and say, I don't like this or I do like this. Maybe we should change this. Because these folks, they're professionals. They are certified college graduates with degrees in in urban planning, right? Yeah. But they're not from here. And those things, have you seen those yet? Or you have not seen those? I have. And and they're listening right now. They listen to the Every Paragold podcast. Yeah. Uh, Bob and his team, they every week is part so of So this planning. is coming out when? This is coming out the last week and uh, last Friday in yeah, December? Yeah, I think it's the 30th, December 30th. So can, we, can we release any of those things online? I mean, on, right now, live? Or is um, it better to wait until the public meeting? Let's wait till the public meeting. Okay. Just, just I can respect know. that. Yeah, yeah. So just had to ask. It, it, that those um, uh, suggestions will come, and then we'll take 30 days of public comment yep. and input and hopefully the council will adopt those one of their biggest things was you guys have a 1970s um zoning mm-hmm. um r1 r2 r3 what what is allowed in residential zones and what's allowed in commercial zones and they were like look we were going to rewrite this but the model you have i compare it to an old house it's not worth the remodel you've we've got to condemn it and start over so this past um at the budget meeting, um, we passed it, and they authorized me to enter into a contract for another year with the Orion Group to start working on zoning classifications, um, subdivision requirements, and new residential design standards. We have put a moratorium on multifamily housing. Do you know about this? No. Oh, I know about it. Oh, I When y'all did it, uh, people bought up all the... The permits, oh, I guess, right. and yeah, then yeah. the guys building one. I don't want to say where I live, but I mean, he's building like four of them right there at the entrance of my subdivision, mm-hmm. and with no, I'm a little frustrated about it. No regard to like what this, the aesthetic, what it looks or feels like. Traffic. So there's a, there's a lot that goes on with that. So, um, and and we put a moratorium on it. It's probably been the most um, politically, I guess. Um, I wouldn't call it divisive, but it's been the most the thing that I have caught the most heck over. Sure, it's like you know you're 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 pinning down four or five people who are building multifamilies, and I'm going to be honest with you. First off, I'm an apartment owner, right? I own yeah. that duplex and and uh, own one, and um, also some of these guys that that we put these requirements on, they're mad at me, and they were still are really good friends of mine, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do what's best for Perigold, not what's best for Josh and his buddies. Mm-hmm. And you started looking around and what was happening is, um, some of these, um, developers were putting multifamily units in existing neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So let's take 
Sundale Circle, for example, everyone knows Sundale. Mm -hmm. There's an empty lot in the front corner right there on the trail. Mm -hmm. You know, you go Mm -hmm. under the bridge and you come up, and before you're going over the pedestrian bridge, there's an empty lot. And everyone knows Sundale. It's all single-family homes. Mm -hmm. The way our our, our R2 is written right now, that man could have gone in there and put a quadplex sideways. So you would have a quadplex facing the side of another house. Mm. Unbelievable that that ever started. I don't know who. It's all up and down, like 7th Street, all that. I mean, every time a house gets knocked down, there's a two, three, four plex goes in. Sideways. Mm -hmm. Sideways. Doesn't doesn't Mm -hmm. even face the road. Right. Uh, And and so here's the thing about that that people don't think about. This is another one of those behind-the-scenes thing. All right, we talked about drainage. And you mentioned 7th Street. Well, every time it it rained really hard in the 70s and 80s, it got a little water down there around um, 7th and Muller Church Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Last time it rained hard, it was a foot deep in Woodrow Wilson. Well, look at that. You have a house or you have a lot that used to have one house with one driveway and maybe two cars and a little front yard, a little side yard, maybe a pretty decent backyard, right? Now you have a quadplex whose roof line is four times bigger than that house, soaking up no water. They have to have two parking sp- or a parking spot for every bedroom. So chances are that fourplex is eight bedroom. So now you've got to have eight paved parking spots. Well, you've paved the whole yard. So now you've got runoff mm-hmm. and you're flooding your neighbors and it runs down the road. And you know, you, you couple that times ten up and down seventh and um, all over in that area. And all of a sudden now the city's, you know, people are calling City Hall, yelling at us because Woodrow's got water in it. And it's like, well, there was no engineering, there was no architectural, there was no civil work done on this. We just put it in there sideways. And this is all a zoning issue. It's all a zoning issue, and it's all because we um, don't have an updated plan. And that multifamily thing, I know it's been a hot-button issue, um, but we're going to work on making it where, and you can still put multi, you can still build apartments. You just you can do it in R3 where it should have been the whole time. I don't think anyone ever buys into a Jared, you live in an R2. Um, I, no one wants to live um, in a subdivision, especially some of our legacy places um, that have been here forever. I call them our, our legacy neighborhoods, you know, mm-hmm. North End and, and the East Side here and, and Sunset Hills and Sundale. You don't want to live beside a quadplex. You right. bought into, right. um, and that is, if you think about it, it's one of that is most people's biggest investment is their house, right? Mm-hmm. And and they're taking what they have the majority of their money and their their equity in, and we're allowing someone to come in and put something beside it. They they bought into a subdivision, and now they're all of a sudden they're living next to an apartment complex. It's not fair. Right. And we we put a moratorium on that, and it's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna pause this. It's not forever. It's one year. And we're going to have those new zoning maps drawn up, and we'll we'll fix what's wrong. Mm, um, that's great. And it, you know, the plan's going to take nine to twelve months, so we may have to extend that moratorium um, for three or four months, or we may try to expedite that portion of the plan. Um, and the Orion plan—it's like a, is it twenty year? It is. It's yeah, called Paragul. If you guys go to the website, it is called um, Paragul twenty forty two dot com, I believe. Paragold2042.com. Mm-hmm. And there's there's places to... So, like, right now, they're working on the um, trail extension. 
where would you like to see the trail go? Personally, I'd like to see it go to Reynolds Park. But there, you know, give your uh, input. If you wanted to go to Green County Tech Primary, if you wanted to go to Reynolds, if you would like it to somehow connect to downtown or connect to the community center, uh, there's all kinds of places. And that's another place that you can put your input in throughout this whole process. It's great. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear about, um, yeah, just kind of where you think things are going. I know there's work you've been doing with uh, Paragraph Light and Water, things like that. There's just other stuff that you have coming up, New City Hall, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as we've been sitting here talking, it's it's funny, uh, multiple times we've talked about behind-the-scenes work. And those mm-hmm. guys, uh, those men and women out at PLWC, um, they do a phenomenal job. Just give you some stats here real quick. Um, right now, I know you guys are downtown um, and on the east side and north end of town. They're tearing the roads up. And everybody's like, what's this work going yeah. on? And by the way, real fast, are we one of the only cities that actually um, – do we own – Paragolot and water, like how's that work? Are we completely is the city completely separate from Paragolot and water, or is it? All? We are we are one of so there are five hundred and one cities in the state, like we talked about. Uh-huh. Um, we are one of either thirteen or fourteen, what's called AMPA, which is Arkansas Municipal Power Association, I believe, is what that stands for. Uh, we're an AMPA city. In other words, we own our own utility. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, we try to take care of ourselves. I think a lot of people didn't know that. I didn't even. I wasn't even really fully aware of that. I was talking to Bill Fisher about this recently, and Bill was just saying that was like kind of unique. It is unique, and you know, we. I guess you know all about the Supreme Court. You know, with the cable, we we went to the, to the United States Supreme Court so we could do cable. Um, a few years back, um, everyone was. You know, during the so we've talked about ARPA funds a couple different times. Like last time, we talked about the ARPA that we were going to spend on parks. I want to talk about some more ARPA that we got that we're going to be building a new uh, police station, Justice Complex, City Hall. Um, but we were able to take that, you know, six seven million dollars that we got from ARPA and invest in our city because most cities around us are trying to take that money and invest in fiber. Well. You guys, we've had fiber to the home for two years now. Mm-hmm. You know, every one of our residents. That's one of the things that this um, sewer rehab that they're doing mm-hmm. in our legacy mm-hmm. uh, subdivisions on the east side, north end, downtown, um, redoing all of that, making sure the sewers still uh, do their job. It's and a big deal. It is a huge deal. And they're um, up in capacity at the water plant. All that's a $20 million investment. And you're never going to see that. It's one of those things. It's in the ground. You never think about it. But when you turn you that sure tap. sure do whenever it's yeah, not working right. When you tur- turn on that tap in the morning, yeah. um, you know, the, when you when your alarm clock go- goes off, that electricity was from PLWC. When you get in the shower, the water and the, if it's not, if you don't have a gas hot water heater, if it's electric, that hot water came from PLWC. Yeah. Well, your if internet, people don't think those pipes need to be, by the way, worked on, I mean, just talk to us. Oh, We've put in, what, $90,000 probably yes. in plumbing in our facility. And so take it from us, like those old pipes will break. Sure. You know, it'll be a problem. And you think about them taking care of the power and taking care of um, sewer and water and our fiber downtown, I mean, uh, and our fiber citywide. They do that. And we have the fourth cheapest power in the state. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and brag on the city. We have a 0.75 sales tax here in town. So when you go buy something, the 8.625 or whatever your mm-hmm. overall sales tax rate is, 0.75 comes to the city. There is no first-class city in the state, which is a city of 10,000 or more, that has that low of a tax rate. Mm. There are 
There's one other city that has a .75, and it has a population of 1,616 people. Wow. So when you look around and you think um, all the amenities and all the things that our city does for its citizens and our utility does for its citizens and for, for, for all of us, to do that on such a low income, and that's just direct savings to our citizens. Um, um, the men and women at PLWC and our department heads go above and beyond and, and run a shoestring budget, you know, make sure that every penny is accounted for. So uh, kudos to those guys. Yeah, for sure. Is there something that's going on? Uh, I know Robert's a big fan of the airport, and is there something going on there? Uh, so oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. yeah. So last year um, we had a we had a gentleman reach out and wanted to get a jet airplane hangar. So we applied for a grant, uh, received I think about nine hundred thousand dollars. Is this by the way? Uh, uh, you keep talking about grants. Is that pretty um, typical? Like are a lot of cities applying for these grants, getting these grants, or is that just like something that we're hustling? Because I keep on hearing you mention we hustle. This is like a lot of stuffs getting. Sure, we hustle, um, but I will say that grants are competitive, um, and. Um, you know, I don't really want to get off into that, but it's one of those things for every grant that we get, we applied for five. We didn't, you know, we applied for another tap grant for the trail this year. We were denied. We applied for a blue cross blue shield grant to try to get the trail to connect to the library and the senior B center. Um, we were denied. We applied for about a hundred thousand dollars worth of police equipment. We got it. Cool. Um, we applied for about $2.7 million worth of state aeronautics grants. We got those. It's just a hit and miss. Yeah. We spend a lot of time and a lot of effort on grants, um, but we do not um, live off of grants. Sure. So in other words, because, sure. you know, if you um, if you start living off of grants and they dry up, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've tried to be strategic um, and apply some, you know, be real metaphorical. Met- uh, you know, methodical about how we, um, what we apply for and, and what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, and so what's happening out at the airport? So we're building, um, we've just built, um, a jet airplane hangar, uh, and have it leased. Um, when that popped up, I went out there and talked to Roger and I said, how many more of these do you think we'll build? He said, I don't figure any within a week. I got a phone call and, uh, a guy wanted one. So we applied for a grant before we found out whether we got that grant, we had a third person reach out and want one. Mm. So, um, we have one built, we have been approved to build a second one and we will be going in June. And, um, they are really, really receptive to Paragool. We take really good care of things. Um, we have money to match and that's always a good thing. Those, uh, state aeronautics grants are, they're a two part grant. Um, one of them is 80-20, one of them is 90-10. But the whole point there, the whole idea behind that was to build all of these hangars and start renting them out and get the airport to make a little money. Because you and I may not ever fly, right? Right. But Robert loves to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But you and I shouldn't have to pay for him to be able to fly his toy around. So the whole idea was let's get um, – Let's get the airport where it makes money. Now, the difference between that and the jet airplane hangars is the jets, you know, that's more, you're starting to get into industrial recruitment. You're starting to get into small businesses that have grown and they're bigger businesses and they're starting to get more Mm -hmm. regional. So, um, yeah, and so last year was the first year that the airport actually made money. Mm. Uh, It wasn't much. I think it made like 
$20,000. We, we still had to offset it a little bit as far as um, salaries and stuff. But as far as what was coming in, what was going out, mm-hmm. it, it made money. Um, not much. But getting these next two jet ha- uh, hangers built will help us uh, at least get it to where it'll make enough money that every few years when they have to have a piece of equipment or whatever, that won't come out of the taxpayers. Yeah, uh, pockets. That's so, great. It, yeah. Just saying about the airport sparked the uh, thought. The we didn't talk about it, but the fire station's new this year, right? Oh, we're building a new fire training facility. Yeah, yeah. and you had the there, there is a new one that went in, right? Or just the new station? New station out there yes. by the airport. Twenty yeah. twenty. What is the training facility you're talking about? So that's in next year's budget. We're going okay. to build a um, a new fire and uh, police training facility right there on the property we already own. Um, talking about behind the scenes, that will. That is going to drop our ISO to a one. Uh, I think we will be... Which means what? So that's your insurance rating. Um, if you live out in the county, your ISO is a nine, and your homeowner's is $1,500 a year because the fire department out there in the middle of nowhere is is volunteer, and they don't have all the necessary equipment to take care of your house. So if it catches on fire, it's probably going to the ground, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that in sure, a yeah. derogatory way. Yeah, yeah. But since you live in Paragould, we yeah. have, you know, four new or four um, pretty new fire stations and all new trucks and everything's like it's supposed to be. We were an ISO 2, um, which means and an ISO 2 is going to be the lowest um, rate that you will pay for homeowner's insurance as a residential customer. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. So us going to an ISO one is not going to help you guys bottom line on your homeowner's insurance, but it will help with industrial recruitment. Mm. So um, we have strived for an ISO one for years. Um, we were a three for just a little while and uh, Chief Lang, who's now our mm-hmm. you know director of planning and development, he um, worked and, and built new stations and we got down to an ISO two um, and Chief Jackson really feels like we're about to um, start work on that and adopt the new fire code. Once we do that, he feels really confident that we'll get to an ISO one, which is another one of those things behind the scenes, but it's a really big deal for um, for some of our industrial partners. I'm curious, moving forward, like what are you most excited about when you think about kind of what's over the horizon? I know you said you guys just now passed the budget and you kind of know what you're planning on spending money on, kind of what your vision is. Yeah, What are you looking forward to 2023? You know, I think my biggest, so um, Allison and I were talking the other day and we were talking about uh, a mission to the moon and how it took 10 years for um, the NASA engineers to get to the moon. And it was like, what is our, what is our 10 year mission? And it is code enforcement 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is one of the most um, exciting things that we can that um, we're going to work on this next mm-hmm. year. What we're going to do is um, we're going to set up a land bank and um, work with the Orion Group on the zoning. They are going to help us set up overlay districts. So I'll give you a, just a real quick rundown because I don't want to spend all day on this, but I think you'll be excited about it. And this is, so this is not a silver bullet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's one of those things where 80% um, better is, is uh, a success. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, But let's take, 
the north end over here, like from Pruitt Street up to Safe Fourth that goes through to the old O.C.'s Barbecue. Mm -hmm. Like, let's take that area there. And I use the hill in St. Louis as an example. You guys have been there. You know, you, you go into the hill. It's the Italian neighborhood. They've got, you know, the uh, fire hydrants are painted with the Italian flag and the crosswalks are painted and they've got flags like we have downtown that say you're on the hill. And they have created this Italian um, community in the middle of St. Louis. Mm. We are going to work to set up overlay districts and set up new uh, subdivisions right here in these older subdivisions. So what we'll mm. do is we'll go in there and we'll say, these are the new subdivision requirements for this area. The city's going to go in and we're going to work on putting up signage and crosswalks and redoing the sidewalks and improving drainage and paving the roads. And we're going to create the North End District or the depot district. Mm. We'll, we'll name it. We'll have a, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll name a new subdivision pretty mm. much. The land bank will be a, kind of a separate entity. Will be, I believe, Jonesboro's has nine members. I'm not sure about Little Rock. We'll be the, if we get this done, we'll be the third city in the state to have a land bank. But they have the opportunity for, let's say, um, that you have an old piece of property that, you know, your mom had a house and the city's knocked it down because it was condemned and now you've got a lot and you've moved off and you don't want anything to do with it. Mm. And the city's having to go in there and mow it, which we have that all over. The reason I say code enforcement 2.0 is because 1.0 was going in and knocking down houses, but now what do we have? We have empty lots everywhere that get grown up and the phone rings off the hook during the summer. So 2.0 is redevelopment. You know, mm -hmm. let's rebuild mm -hmm. Paragould's and it's... So the land bank can go to Jared and say, hey, you've got your mom's lot here. If you'll donate that to us, it's a tax break. Mm -hmm. Or the land bank um, will have a little bit of funding. We might be able to buy that at a reduced rate. Or if it has a huge amount of liens on it, the land bank has the legal authority to foreclose on it. Mm. So what I think will happen, and this is like a 10-year plan. Mm -hmm. I think we'll get it set up next year, get the overlay district set up those land bank commissioners will start meeting with folks with these properties. We've identified almost 50 empty properties in that area I just told you about. Wow. So if you think about that, what if we ended up getting 10 developers to build five houses each and in that area? What would that do? What mm. would that do to your church? Mm. What would that do to downtown? What would that do to our economic partners and our industrial partners? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so we would set up these new areas and the land bank would take these, these properties and they would be, they would say, Hey, Jared, um, let's say you're a builder. Now we've gotten this property. And if you want to build on it, you have to build to these standards. Mm -hmm. It has to look like a craftsman style from the thirties. And it has the, if it has an alley behind it, it hasn't have an, an alley entrance. It can't I'll be off the front, whatever yeah. each property kind of stands on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you will build on there, we'll give you the property. Mm. Now, it's kind of a twofold deal. You take a builder who is going out here and developing a 40-acre field, that may not look very appeasing to them at first glance because they say, well, there's some homes around it that maybe aren't the best, and I don't want to spend, I don't want to build a $150,000 or $175,000 home on the north end. Mm. Um, but... 
you also need to flip it and say, okay, but when you go out here on this 40-acre field, what are you putting in? Roads, sewer, water, fiber, electric, drainage, curb and gutter, all that's in. Mm. The city just, we just went in there and redid it. It's all brand new. It's great. Ready to go. Um, and I'm hoping that we end up with, and it's it's scary for one guy to build one house, but for 10 guys to build five, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, you mm-hmm. know. And we have looked at, we've identified two overlay districts, one on the east side, one on the north end. We're looking at between Court and 412 from like the railroad tracks to Labor Park. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at 4th to Pruitt from downtown to Harmon Park. The reason we looked at that is they're connected by a trail. Yep. You've got downtown bookended, so they both have parks on one end, and they both have downtown on the other. Mm-hmm. So you could live in the north end district or the labor district. You could walk to the crossing and go to church. You can go to the park. You can walk to First National Bank, the courthouse, city hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the restaurants that are down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a yeah, live, you got food, work, grocery, like, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just a whole new. Because if we do not, I mean, look at, you look at New York in the 80s, okay? Downtown was not where you wanted to be. You you would not have gone to Central Park in 1984 for anything because everyone had moved away. But they started reinvesting in what's important. You start with, and we started with downtown. And look at the overwhelming success. I think we haven't talked much about downtown because we don't have to because it, it speaks for itself, I think. Mm-hmm. And to see what's happening here, why wouldn't it work just outside of downtown? Of course. You know, and let's start looking at the the residential side of it. Yeah. So I love that, man. It's a huge undertaking that, that I don't think could possibly happen without the city being involved in it. And so I'm very thankful that you all have that vision and that you want to put some skin in the game. Because I think that's what you're talking about. I think it's, it's huge, man. Like, I think it's a it's a game changer. It, it, it changes a lot. And, and I think for the better. Absolutely. I, I truly believe that is a legacy project. You can go back here and partner with the county and build a pavilion, and that's great. Okay? That is fantastic. That is, um, I think we've talked about how much of an example that is to other places on how to work together. But when you start reinvesting in your legacy neighborhoods and you bring them back, that's like meals on wheels for the senior bees. You know, that's just one of those things that what could be more satisfying as uh, as a citizen of Pergold to know that we didn't let our old um, neighborhoods fall into disrepair. 100%. So I love it, man. Yeah, what else you got coming up? I know we talked about the, the city hall before we started recording. Is that starting, that project starting soon? It, it, it's, it's gone to bid. I think it goes to bid today. Um, we should be breaking ground on a new justice complex city hall. It's about 20,000 square feet right wow. there where we're at. How much? Or how big is one we have? It's twelve thousand. Okay. So um, we Good have here. we have built plenty of growth into this. We're planning on having a. So when you drive by um, in six or eight months and you see the size of it, um, know that we are building that for fifty years. That we're building it um, and we're paying cash for it, and that That's when great. it's all said and done, we'll still have more money in the bank than we did in twenty twenty one whenever. Our administration mm. took over. We That's have awesome. we've known this project was on the horizon. We've skimped, we've saved, we've been blessed with ARPA money. We've been smart. Our department heads have uh, been very frugal, 
and um, to be able to build a $7 million, 20,000-square-foot complex like that and have our police department all under one roof so that they can have that cohesiveness of being able to see each other every day and every department under the same roof, our citizens will benefit from that. Um, we'll have planning and zoning, um, probably have – there are some, like, internal things that we're going to try to change as far as the way the city operates right now um, that – like on the planning and zoning side, that um, that we're going to be able to iron out with this, it's just a it's going to be a huge benefit to our citizens and our employees. Mm. So um, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I've seen the uh, photos of your show. I mean, they look really, really cool. Yeah, maybe we can uh, put some pictures up so people can see it on the alls. Uh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So, that'd be great. I would be interested in hearing you talk about the power plant because I asked Miranda to give me the scoop on that when she was here, she didn't do it. So, like, well, that's, what can you tell me? You know, it's funny because I, I put my I put her podcast in and, and was listening to it when I was on a run, and I was like, oh, how is she going to handle this? And she was <laughs> like, I mean, she put her tap dancing shoes on, and she danced mm-hmm. all the way around you she and did. just kept on moving. That's and fine. that's when I called her, and I said, Miranda, you just did the podcast, and we need to talk. And she said, okay. And I said, you did an incredible job. And she did. She killed it. Um, it's funny. She couldn't talk about it because it was actually in the budget. And you guys, the podcast came out. Was it last Before Friday? Before it was approved, yeah. And the budget was past Monday. There yeah. is money allocated toward the power plant. Um, we have, between corporate partners, um, the city, and um, all the money combined, AMP has allocated funds towards that. Right now, we have about $2.735 million dollars. Um, in the budget now, a lot of that is to is, go to the plant. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, for those who are like, "What are you talking about?" Power plant, like it's literally right behind the crossing, uh, right next to the um, the community pavilion. Correct. We have a there's a grand a formerly what was a Paragold light was, and water. It was it was yeah, the generator yeah, building. Okay, it's where our electric came from. Cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a plan to to fix that building. I don't know if we'll have to do it in phases. Um, it's a big undertaking, but it's also one of those things that you know we lost our depot. Mm-hmm. We've lost a lot of our historic structures, and yes. with it being right there by the community pavilion, it's kind of like okay, we have we've got two options. Number one, we need to knock it down, or number two, we need to fix it because we can't have that beautiful community pavilion sitting right there and being utilized by families and industries and and everyone who's going to use that with that dilapidated building right next mm-hmm. to it. So we've allocated a million dollars. Um, in this year's budget to go towards that. We had already had commitments of the 1.735. So uh, they're finalizing the um, plans. We'll get a gross maximum price. I'm hoping we can fix that building for that, but we may have to do it in stages. And but ultimately, what will we do with it when it's It'll all... be an event space. Cool. So um, right now, there's that small event space in the mm-hmm. Farmer's Market Pavilion. But, you know, we see that with um, uh, a stage that faces like the tracks mm-hmm. where there would be like a dirt hill with like a dirt amphitheater type. You could yep. sit on the lawn and watch a show or you could be inside and watch white Christmas, which is going to be at the Collins this weekend. Mm-hmm. I guess we can't talk mm-hmm. about that because it's going to be passed, but, <laughs> but if they wanted to, let's say the green County fire and arts wanted to do a uh, dinner theater. Mm-hmm. Great spot for that because it'll have a commercial kitchen, a stage. Oh, that's great. Let's, man. Let, yeah. Let's say that, um, uh, Nora Kate wants to get married. 
Yep. And it's Nora, right? Yep. Yep. So let's say she wants to get married. Well, that's a great place to have the wedding and you can have your reception right outside in the farmer's market. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, I was visiting with Allen Engineering earlier today. Maybe they have their world of concrete where they bring in people from the concrete industry from all over the world. They take them to the power plant building yeah, yeah. And, and show them downtown. And Yeah. Well, it's the same. You're talking about the same thing that we use here. And this is, we don't even try to rent this out. And we had, I think, 53 rentals this year. Mm-hmm. And it so, was literally everything you just said. Right. So, yeah. well, and, and I don't think we'll be in competition with you guys. I think that it's kind of like one thing that Gina has always said, and Miranda, I think Miranda said the same thing on her podcast was one restaurant downtown will starve to death. Mm-hmm. Two de- two restaurants will will do great, but if you've got five down here, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you go down there and Skinny Jays is busy and eighteen sure. twelve is covered up. Say, so let's go to Twisted Goose or let's go to yeah. You and know, my point Terry's is, just even or, saying that is like not saying you'll be competition, but we literally don't even try to advertise sure, that yeah. we're a venue. Well, it, so we talked earlier about the airport, and the whole vision is to get we we've got quote unquote we've gotten the airport off of the government's budget, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's do the same thing with Main Street. Let's get them this power plant, and let's get them the farmer's market. Let's invest the money, just like we did at the airport, because we know it's going to work. We invested those dollars. Let's invest these down here. Let's fix those, donate them, or lease them for a dollar a year to Main Street. Let them rent them out, and Miranda can then take those funds and invest in downtown, and that's, you know. Sure. Six figures off of the city's budget that we can turn around and pour into the police department or the fire department or the parks or nine one one. So um, it just makes um, it just makes sense to this be the next logical step. Yeah, and the the gin will also be done here. So the gin, yeah, that's part part. Uh, the second big project downtown is um, the EDC is building a entrepreneur and small business incubator. Um, I guess you guys have seen the dumpsters down mm-hmm. here. They're starting to tear out. Um, that will have a commercial space. Do you know what that is? Are the you gin? familiar with the gin? Uh, I know that Black River's partnering with it, and it's some sort of like a industrial recruitment right. initiative. We are working with Black River. Nothing's Nothing has been signed yet, um, um, but we're hoping to, to, to make that work. Um, um, we're hoping that Black River – partners with us and makes that almost like a teaching space for downtown. Yep. Um, one, one great thing about Black River is this. Let's say that an industry comes in and says, hey, we really need um, certified welders. Black River will say, we can teach that class, and they will teach a class, and they will educate people on how to be certified welders, and they'll send them directly. They'll feed that industry. Mm-hmm. So Black River, we plan on partnering with them and doing the same thing here. So, great. but this could be all across the board. So, um, you know, Robert may say, hey, I'm going to start teaching people how to, you know, um, make pickled okra because my grandmother's got this world class. Yeah, he's real, big into that. He seems big. like a pickled okra. Yeah, you know your guy. audience. Amen. Yeah, that and pickled eggs. So we've got, <laughs> but you will have a commercial kitchen there. And, you know, it's kind of funny. You have to have a commercial kitchen to cut berries. So um, Nate's wife that has the cultured man, mm-hmm. she does dipped apples. She can't do those at home because she's piercing the fruit with that skewer. She can do that at the commercial kitchen mm. in the gin. So she could go down there and rent the commercial kitchen and make apples. 
Lily, my Lily, can um, rent that commercial kitchen and make all the cinnamon rolls that she could sell at the farmer's market mm. instead of, you know, pan after pan after pan mm-hmm. through our oven. Um, and then there'll be makerspace in there for woodworking and teaching welding, um, doing kids' camps, bringing those kids in there in junior high and saying, here's cold welding, and if you like this, um, we could teach you how to be a welder, and you could make $65,000 a year at this industry here in town or a truck driving simulator mm. down there. Just a lot of different ways to not only feed small business, and mm. there's there's the whole side of that, which would be starting up small businesses that would open up downtown mm-hmm. and help keep you know this mm-hmm. vibrant, all the way to industrial. It's everything in between. It's from Lily and her cinnamon rolls to... Um, Allen Engineering and Utility Trader Building Traders yeah. and everything in between. Yeah, um, so it's great. really exciting. Yeah, that's one of those things that, um, you know, to have something like that in our community uh, and you couple that with the growth that we're having and um, our cost of living. You know, Green County has the highest median wage of any county in the region. So, in other words, mm. we talked about our utility costs being the fourth lowest and the city's tax rate being the lowest in the state of any first-class city. And all of our industries wanting to expand and paying the highest wages in the region. Uh, and that's just one reason that um, Paragould is seeing the growth that it's having. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're lucky to be here right now. You know, yeah. I was looking at housing prices, and they they send this thing out every year that says um, housing prices grew the most in these top cities in the state. So in other words, you bought a house in January and it was worth 100000 And what's it worth in December? And however much that went up, they take the top 10 cities. And that's, you know, we talked earlier about your home is your biggest investment. And if it's making equity just by you living in it, that's money you've made without raising mm-hmm. a finger. Sure. Um, there were the top 10 cities. I think seven of them were in northwest Arkansas. There was one in northeast Arkansas. That was Paragould. Mm. I think um, that the rise in housing is is um, is uh, a direct reflection of the growth we're seeing. It's a great time to uh, live in Paragould, and it's mm-hmm. even a, it's a great time to be the mayor. It's a lot of fun, yeah. um, and I can't think of anything I'd be rather doing right now. Well, you're doing a great job, man. And it's, I mean, the numbers all speak for themselves. And so, I mean, on behalf of, yeah, the citizens of Paragould, thank you so much for what you do, what your team does to increase the quality of living, which I know was your platform. That's what you said that you wanted to do whenever you started running. And that's what you're doing. Well, it's it's not me. I've got a really good group of folks around me who have bought in to um, – what we think tomorrow should look like and we're all pulling in the same direction and um we're fortunate to be here yeah well we can't end without rapid fire questions so let's hit mm-hmm. them up you ready i'm ready all right number one you've done this before but i, I know things change what is the last uh show or movie you watched or the last book that you read so during the pandemic um a guy i had the uh, opportunity to meet a guy named Jared Price. He had moved off. You may yeah, know, you yeah, know yeah, Jared. Yeah. He graduated from Paragould in 1998. Yeah, moved off. Uh, mm-hmm. Lived in like Colorado. Well, during yeah. the during the pandemic, he moved back and started. Um, he rode bikes with uh, me and Webb and Pendale, a couple of us, and he just went back to work. So he just now moved away. Mm-hmm. I came home one day and he had dropped off a book 
uh, called Talking to Strangers, and there was part of it that was about policing. He wanted me to read that that chapter. I ended up reading the whole book. It was fantastic. Uh, so I just finished it, and I'm about to finish up. So I, I think last year I told you I like to read a book for to you know like for to learn something, and then mm-hmm. I like to read one that's just for. You know, yeah, like back and forth. Yeah. So that was kind of my let's learn something, let's try to grow. I'm finishing up um, a book by Rob Pope. He's a veterinarian from the UK, and he looked at so there's this whole group of people who are into Forrest Gump, and they have planned his route across the United States. He ran uh-huh. it five times. This guy came over here and ran the loop, like he ran from. He started in Biloxi, and he ran to the West Coast, the East Coast, the West Coast, back to the East, Jeez. and then to Monument Valley. So uh, I'm oh. about halfway through that. And I have another book that I'm about to start. It's called Brain Trust. It's my next um, book to grow. And it says um, it's how to uh, – it's a book that will teach you how to surf, gamble, go on a diet, and grow man-eating plants. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it is definitely – so my yeah. buddy Brian Carter gave me this. And it is it is spot on, Brian Carter. Like, wow. if we were out in the desert and we had a flat, and I said, "Man, we really need a man eating plant to hold this car up," he'd be like, "I read a book, and I know how to grow one that'll hold this car up." Wow. Yeah, we went out one time. We went to this cigar festival in um, uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and we go and we were playing darts, and we played darts for like three hours, and I realized I haven't won a game. I was like, mm-hmm. Brian's one of those guys that I read a book about it, and now I know how to throw darts. Oh, I hate guys <laughs> like that, man. That's Tim Parrott. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what do they say? Is it leaders are readers? Readers are leaders. leaders. Are, yeah. Not all readers are leaders, That's but it. every leader is a reader. There I wish go. I had more time for it. I, I, I You know, I, I was trying to read a couple of books a month, but just with my schedule, I, I struggled to it's read. It's hard, man. Yeah, I, I struggled to read. Someone, uh, actually, it was the um, uh, pastor at the Little Presbyterian Church across the street from us. We attended their service. I was off here a few weeks ago and went, and uh, we started talking, and he said that you should. Someone told him, he's a big reader. Someone told him years ago that you should never start a new book without going back and reading one of the books you read before. Oh really? Yeah, wow. I thought it was a pretty good idea. Cause you know, like you you you'll come across a book that's like that's phenomenal, and then you'll never read it again. Mm-hmm. But it had a huge impact on your life, so it's like there's a reason why it stuck with you. There's probably a ton of stuff to still pull from that, and you need to be reminded of. And it's like sure. I like that idea. Like go mm-hmm. back, read it again, then read a new book. Is so. that the pastor that did uh, Miss Fisher's? Funeral? That's it. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah Barry Anderson's his name. Fantastic. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool dude. Uh, favorite band. Right now, right okay, now. So I, not all time. You probably I, have all time. Don't can you? I? No, I was going to go through the concerts I've been in the last year. Oh, nice. Just because hit me because it is like so wide ranging. That's great. You ready? I'm ready. Rolling Stones. Ooh, wow. Wow. Elton twice. Elton John twice. Twice. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Incubus. You saw? I don't know. You're an Incubus fan. Lady Gaga. Hang on a second. Go back. You're an Incubus fan. Eric Church. Who took you to Lady Gaga? I took my wife. Uh, oh. We flew down to we flew down to Atlanta and uh, wow. and went uh, saw Sister Hazel, saw Rainbow Kitten Surprise. I uh, actually don't know who that is. That's one of Matthew Miller's. You said mm-hmm. okay. He took, you know he was talking when he was here. He was talking about how much he loved French food. He took me out to eat. We went with our wives and we went and I had never eaten French food and so and I had never heard of Rainbow Kitten Surprise. So last Thursday, uh, we had escargot, beef tartare, potato dauphine. 
And yeah, I was like, that sounds what? about right. And something else that was I love hearing off you saying that with an Arkansas accent. Yeah, Dolphin has some <laughs> potato no, tartar. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then we went to Rainbow Kitten Surprise, so it That's was kind of awesome. wild. Um, got Billy Joe, Elton Man, John, geez. Stevie Nicks, Bob Weir, Bonnie Raitt, Britt Floyd. I mean, oh, all over. Okay, the place. what was your favorite? All over the place. What was your favorite? Rainbow Kitten Surprise, dude. It with was the tartar. No, Eric Church was a lot of fun. Was he really? Oh my gosh, we were we were at Municipal League. Took the girls, and we were we were going to Municipal League, and we were going over the and and uh, the bridge. They're going into Little Rock, and I looked over and I saw his bus, and I was like, "We're off tonight." You know, we got class from like eight to five. You want to walk over there and go to Eric Church? We took the kids, bought cheap tickets. And it was uh, good. We might or might not have snuck down to about the third row, yeah. found some seats. It was so much fun. Yeah. And, of course, mm. we, we went with the Carters and saw Elton in Little Rock on his farewell tour. And we were on seventh row. Wow. And it was like, all right, that was so much fun. We have to take the kids. Like, I want my daughters. I took them to see the Rolling Stones in Denver. Like, I've taken – I drove – when I was, like, 25, I took – might have been 28 – I took Allie at 10 years old. We drove to Kansas City, Missouri to see ACDC on their final Black Ice tour because I want her to be like, I w- you're not going to remember this, but I want you to know that you, you saw ACDC. You saw Elton. You saw the Rolling Stones. There's a YouTube video of uh, Thunderstruck. That I guess they just said, I guess they were performing live like two years ago or something, three years ago. It, was, it wasn't, wasn't long ago. They had like a little show. And it was, oh my gosh! There looked like there was a hundred thousand people there, and, and it they're was, going nuts. And they sounded just like they did in the eighties. It's like, what in the world? Like, how does his voice still look like it was? Their concert crazy. down in Rio or whatever was was um, registering on the Richter scale. It cracked Dude, the it foundation, nuts, of man. Yeah. It's worth watching even even the YouTube videos, like which obviously is not going to do it justice to being alive. Sure. But you like, wow, make the hair stand up. Uh, yep. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. I got to pull my questions back up here. What is your favorite meal? I think it's still Hunan. I don't eat it very often, but Hunan or Panda Garden, just going out is there. Is that better than the French food? I've not had Panda Garden. Is that a buffet? No, you got to call no. it in. Yeah, you just call it in. It's takeout. It's worth it? It's good. It's good stuff. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it was good. I've never had it. Okay. You should check it out. It's across from Walmart. There you go. Who nam, man? That's speaking Robert's language. Mm-hmm. Wedding reception was there. Not wedding I, reception, uh, rehearsal dinner. Rehearsal dinner. Yeah. With Grace. Yeah. Yep. Whenever I, I think we talked about this last time, whenever Grace had a restaurant in Jonesboro, and my mother and, and my grandmother, Charlene, would take me down there, and they said that I would sit in the, the little booster seat, and I would eat Mongolian beef, and my little eyes would just, like, that I was just, so it's it such an it amazing experience. Yeah, well, oh, I was, I was spicy. Oh, was, spicy! Yeah, I was, thought you were crying because that's just so <laughs> good. So good. I right. A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can't beat Hunan. Uh, what? My, my wife. I want to tell you the story real quick. My wife. We were driving by there last night, and my wife said, "One of my fifth graders said over the weekend she went and ate at the new hum, uh, human buffet." <laughs> and then she's like, "It is not the human buffet." <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the kids say the darndest things, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> what was it that Grace, Grace said? used to what, say? The darndest things. <laughs> what was it she said oh to my that gosh. baby? So. <laughs> 
I used to work at Hunan in high school, and uh, Grace Chen, who was the sweetest Christian lady you've ever met, this couple came in, and they had a toddler, I mean like a one-year-old in, on the hip, you know, and Grace walks up to, to this lady, he's like, touching her cheek of the baby's like oh so sexy <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was like grace no 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 she's like that's not the right word that's not what you think it means <laughs> she said it two or three times oh man that's funny oh, that's one of my favorite stories one ever. sexy baby <laughs> <laughs> oh uh what is on your nightstand right now um I don't have a nightstand. We still live in the same place. So um, I have a, on my side of the bed, I have a mirror. And Kristen has a nightstand. And we just, um, um, she has a little homemade um, jewelry um, bowl that Rhiannon made out of clay, mm-hmm. painted for, to hold cool. her earrings and rings. And we have uh, probably our phones and a, and a uh, alarm clock. Right. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. So yesterday, uh, I was thinking about this because I knew you'd ask. Yesterday, I, I, I serve on a state aid street committee. Uh, it's a, a statewide board, um, and I had gone down to Little Rock yesterday, and we got out of there just in time for me to go over and see my oldest who lives mm-hmm. in Little Rock. And just seeing her, they, mm-hmm. they try to come in. Um, her She just got engaged. Oh, congratulations. Uh, her and her fiancé live in Little Rock. She is a fourth-grade teacher um, at Lisa... Um, West Elementary, mm-hmm. and he is uh, finishing up his third year at UAMS. So they're living down there and, and uh, trying to get their life started. They still come up and see us about once a month, but just um, having her around the house mm-hmm. um, uh, brings me a lot of joy. And I tell you, I'm really proud of my 16-year-old. I was thinking about how much, uh, how I just swell with pride when I think about her. She um, she just turned 16. She um, plays the piano. She plays the flute in the marching band, the jazz band, mm-hmm. and the uh, concert band. And she's got a job at Hayes. And last week she called. She said, I think Barry's mad at me. Barry Heston, Alice's dad, said, I think Barry's mad at me. And I said, why? And she said, he only gave me 22 hours this week. Well, I figured it up. She went and got 10 more from her friends. No, 12 more from her buddies. So she's working 34 hours a week at Hayes. Not every week, but she works probably 30 hours a week at wow. Hayes. Does all that. Straight A student. Um and to see her um, have that work ethic, you know, to know mm. that she's working every Friday, every mm. Saturday, every Sunday, and not complaining that she's not getting to hang out with her friends, but she's working, and mm. and that's important to her. Mm. Um, man. She's a sweet girl. I was there um, with Nora. I think I was with Nora um, a few weeks ago, and she said hi to us without me even seeing her. Which is, that always makes you feel good. You know, sure. like, it's always one thing someone's, if they see you, and you're like, well, I can't not say yeah. hi to you. Right. But it's like, she, we didn't see her. She saw us, said hi. And then she was leaving. We were in line. We were like two people behind or whatever the line. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I just checked out or I would have definitely checked y'all out and helped y'all and all that. Right. Anyways, it was just very kind of her. Well, I think the, the most uh, important thing is uh, in life is raising good humans. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been really fortunate. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, what is one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? Not my family, always. I mean, it's the answer to that question is always going to be Kristen and the girls. Um, there's just, uh, you know, um, I don't see them as much as I did before I was the mayor, 
Um, but sometimes, you know, it's funny because I think I've told you this. Allie grew up in Bathwell, right? We had a whole podcast about how mm-hmm. she grew up over there. And I actually think that at that time in my life, that might have made me a better father because mm-hmm. um, I was a single dad for a little while. And, and it was, you know, I was trying to get life going. And when it was her weekend, like my buddies didn't come over. They didn't call because it's Josh has Allie this weekend. And I was, I was in tune and in touch with her. Um, and I think the same kind of applies with being the mayor. Like when I was on the cake route, I was, I took the kids to school every day except for one. And I picked them up every day except for one. There was one day that I wasn't around, but every, you know, four out of five days every week, I was mm-hmm. always every award ceremony, every ball game, every band concert. I never sure. missed anything. Now I miss all kinds of stuff, but that makes you really appreciate like, I'm not answering the phone on the weekends. Like used to, I would have took any phone call that came mm-hmm. in. Now it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. If it's that emergency, you can call nine one one. If not, it can wait till Monday. That's and great. I don't mean to be—I don't mean to be a jerk, yeah. but like, you only get so much time with your family. Right. And you know, having one in Little Rock at twenty-four, one working thirty hours a week at Hayes. I'm not seeing her much. Yes, one eleven years old. I realize how quick that eleven-year-old is going to be in college, and it's going to. Then I can take all the phone calls I want. To. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, and. Uh, you work so hard during the day that it allows you to take off some of that in the weekends sure. at night. You know, you I know, mean, it, it's, it's like obvious whenever you look at the stuff we've talked about today, a lot of stuff's getting done. I know it's not just you as a team, but sure. still, like you're a part of that. And so, you know, it's, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is, and because I catch a lot of heck, I run on my lunch break and I was leaving, uh, I left work Tuesday night at 9 15. It was actually 9 17 when I left. And I thought, you know, no one sees me up here at nine o'clock. Not, not, to, not to my own horn, okay? okay but sure, sure. Like I'm up here at nine o'clock, or I'm up here. I, I left for Little Rock yesterday morning at six, right? You know, like there's a lot of early mornings and a lot of late nights. But also, you might see me running in the middle of the day. But you see me on a Monday, and I'm running at one o'clock. Well, I skipped my lunch. And this is my lunch, and we're gonna have council until eight o'clock tonight. Like, yeah. I'm, you've got to continue to. Um, Take that time out because I've always said when it comes to exercising that if you take an hour a day, your other 20 to exercise, your other 23 are going to be better. Mm. And that's something that I've worked in. And, and, you know, I know I see you guys down here all the time and I'm always teasing y'all like, I'm on my lunch break. Don't, don't, (laughs) you know, don't be spreading any rumors about me. (laughs) I didn't even think about it. You brought it up and now intentionally heckle you and I see. That's part of it. So, but you know, but being gone, having those long hours, I think uh, just making sure that I, um, really, Focus and honing on my family time is yeah, man. Well, important. if anybody gives you a hard time, just have them listen to this podcast. How long has this been going? What is this a podcast? What are we at? We're Probably. like an hour, almost an hour and a half. Hours, I mean, this is almost this. Uh, this is close to the longest episode we've done. I'm almost Max Bishop territory. Almost. Man. That's exactly what I was thinking. And Max I did still. Say, I did say the word I, suck. So I'm yeah, getting, <laughs> you get close, man. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's so funny, Max. Um, there's no way he's listening to this. I was uh, on the. <laughs> I can't remember how this happened, but I ended up on Saturday night uh, FaceTiming him from my house so he could watch one of his fighters fight in the UFC because he was delivering a mule. He was delivering a mule like at the border of like Mexico and Texas or something. And so I'm just like FaceTiming. And here's the thing. I'm not saying a word. He's not talking. He just wants to watch the fight. And so I'm just sitting there doing this. And all he can see is a screen, and all I can see is Max's face, his cowboy hat. So so the story, the, the, the behind the story is what we learned there is Jared knows a mule that goes between Mexico and Texas. Hey, right? It's good to, it's, it's good to have connections like that. 
Oh, man. Hey, that's a great place to end. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's always good to be able to spend time with you. Yeah, you too. For those of you who are tuning in, thanks so much for listening. If you've not done so, please check us out on different social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Also, we're on Spotify and iTunes. And if you've not already done so, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people living right here in Paraville. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.